0: So, If it is your first time here, welcome. My name is John, lead pastor around here. Appreciate you guys coming on out. We are in the midst of this series that we are calling More Like You, where we have just been devoting an entire summer to life change. Scripture says that when you become a Christian, or as we like to say it, when you say yes to Jesus, what happens is the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart and works to make us look more like Jesus, more like you. Now, the evidence of this life change is what is known as the fruit of the Spirit. Paul explains them like this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The best way to think about these are to picture them as though they are the qualities of Christ. These are the the characteristics that Jesus exemplified, personified even, when he walked uh, this world some 2,000 years ago. Now, while only God can produce these fruits in our life, we have a responsibility to cultivate them. And so every single week, what we're doing is just examining individual fruits, find out what scripture has to say about it, and then learning how we can partner with God to cultivate them and to begin to implement them at a greater level in our day-to-day lives. So what i want to do this week, is, Adam mentioned, I want to talk to you guys about kindness. So let me kind of give a Just a couple of introductory thoughts that I've been gnawing on this week before we dive into the main teaching and a mousse if you will. So Paul said something uh, in the book of Colossians about kindness that I wanted to pull up for you. He said, you are God's chosen people. So if you're a Christian in the room, he's talking to you. He goes, you, you're God's chosen people. You are holy and dearly loved. So put on tender mercy and kindness as if they were your clothes. What Paul is saying here is that when you wake up in the morning. You ought not to just get dressed physically, you ought to get dressed emotionally and spiritually as well. Now, when you walk in your closet and, you, and you're deciding, what am I going to put on today? You should also ask yourself the question, what kind of attitude am I going to wear today? Kindness, according to Paul, is something we choose to put on every single day of our life, which I think leads to a great question is, why, well, OK, well, why should I be kind? Because let's be honest, kindness can be risky. You might be misunderstood if you're kind to other people. I mean, they might think, what's up with you? Why are you being so nice? What- what's your angle? What are you trying to get from me, right? Or maybe the opposite. It's, it's look at this sucker. <laughs> Mr. Nice guy. I'm going to milk them for all they're worth. So it is true. I mean, kindness does have its risks. But I would argue there are two main reasons as to why we should be kind. The first one is we're to be kind because God is kind. This is a pattern. If you haven't picked up on it yet, we're seeing every single week as we examine these fruits. We are to love others because God loved us. We are to forgive others because God forgave us. We are to be patient with others because God is patient with us. And we are to be kind because God is kind. Paul reminds us that God saved you through faith as an act of kindness. You had nothing to do with it. Being saved is a gift from God. God's grace and his kindness, they, they just always go together. This guy, um, poet named Robert Burns, he wrote that terrible song, "Old Lang Syne, you know, the New Year's Eve one. He wrote that one, but he said something good. He said, the kind heart most resembles God. So we should be kind just because God is kind to us. And the second reason we wanna be kind is we want people to be kind to us. I mean, we, we wanna be treated right, don't we? Look at what Jesus said in Matthew seven twelve? Do to others what you would have them do to you, otherwise known as the golden rule. There's also the platinum rule when Jesus said, love others as I have loved you. But this is the golden rule. We're going to stick here for a little bit. We see this play out in a number of ways in our own life. For example, if you are rude to people, they'll be rude to you. Have you ever been to a restaurant with somebody who is just Rude to the staff? Yeah, I have. I want to, like, crawl under the table and die. I Just, wanna, just can I become invisible and just leave? Can you rapture me out of this table real quick? <laughs> Being rude to your server, just, it never helps the situation. It just, it just escalates. It just seems to make things worse for everybody. I'm the kind of person where a restaurant could serve me a hot, steaming pile of trash, and if the server goes, how's your entree? I go, delicious. Thank you. <laughs> Really pre- and then I'll just never go back, and I'll tell other people, you know, avoid this restaurant at all costs. The opposite is also true. If you are kind to people, uh, most people will want to respond in the same way. So my mom taught me years ago how to, how to sort of communicate and speak with agents on the phone. Okay, I'm talking about Comcast, airlines, customers, you know, those. Okay, and she said, listen... You ask them their name and you call them by their name. You you ask them, hey, where are you based out of? I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, okay. How's the weather up there? How was your week? Now, when I do this, my wife looks at me like I'm a lunatic. But I'll just tell you this. It is amazing to see how these folks will go out of their way to help you simply because you're being kind to them. Now, is that being fake? No. That is putting on kindness. It's a choice. And so what I want to do with the remainder of our time is I want to give you just a couple of suggestions right out of Scripture as to how we can be more kind in this world and to sort of cultivate that fruit in our lives. First thing we see is that kindness means being supportive. At its core, this means that we are to be building others up, not to be tearing them down. It's really just watching what you say to people. Paul commands us, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful. What is helpful? for building others up. What is indicating here is that there is a way that our words can make a powerful impact in the life of another human being. That we can be supportive to someone. We can, we can be encouraging to someone in such a way that, that our kind words will elevate them. That our kind words can actually help someone become the person that God wants them to become. And when Paul used this word building, the original audience, would have heard it and immediately thought of uh, like a construction site. But it's more than that, it's more of like like an addition put onto a home. And when you put an addition onto your home, it's not that you're just making your house bigger, but you're adding value to your home. And in the same way, Paul is saying, our kind words should be adding value into another person's life. That every time we finish speaking into the life of another person, they should be better off for having been in our presence solomon the wisest man that ever lived according to scripture said this righteous people know the kind thing to say but the wicked are always saying things that hurt so here's honest self-inventory for a second are you the kind of person that will pounce on a weakness in someone else now maybe you do it in a joking manner but you do it and you kind of enjoy doing it come on all of us let's i mean like how supportive Are you in speaking to the people in your life? Do you encourage them or do you discourage them with your words? Do you build them up or do you tear them down? If you have children, do you you brag on your kids or do you nag your kids? If you're married, do you support your spouse? Or do you just chip away at their confidence? If God gave you a dollar for every kind word you uttered, or if God removed a dollar for every unkind word you said, would you be rich or would you be? If we want to cultivate kindness, we have to learn to be supportive of the people in our lives. Secondly, kindness means being sympathetic. So my wife tells me that I am not a very sympathetic person. I disagree. (laughs) Flag on the play, whatever that means. (laughs) I I do sympathize. I really do. I just don't kind of, I don't like wallow, if you will, in, in sympathy. Okay. So once I say to you, gosh, I am so sorry that this happened to you. I just start offering up solutions as to how we can fix the situation that we're in. Because for me, I'm just not sure how helpful it is to kind of marinate and stew in an unfortunate situation. But here's what I've learned. Most people aren't looking for a solution. Most people just really appreciate it when you sympathize with them, or you grieve with them, or you hurt with them. Now maybe you have found yourself in a situation recently where someone close to you has gone through a crisis. Okay? or maybe they lost someone that they, that they love, and now you're with them, and you're panicking, and you say to yourself, I just don't know what to say at times like this. Okay, Let me let you in on a little secret. You don't have to say anything. A pastor that I used to work with, a guy named Brian Webb, is over at Coral Ridge now. When I worked with him, he was in charge of pastoral care. That means hospital visits, funerals, like the hard stuff. And he taught me what he called... The ministry of presence. This is a ministry that every single one of you can do in your life. That just being present with someone who is hurting is an expression of kindness. You don't have to come up with the right words. You don't have to think of the right scripture to say in that moment. All you have to do is touch their shoulder. Shed a tear with them. Give them a hug. Offer to b- bring a meal, that goes a long way. That is sympathizing. That is kindness. Paul said, when others are happy, be happy with them. If they are sad, share their sorrow. One of the greatest examples of a sympathetic person in this world is Jesus Christ. In the book of John, we read a, an incredible story where one of Jesus' close family friends, a guy named Lazarus, if you don't know this story when you go home, Google it. It's incredible. Now, Lazarus dies. Jesus is now standing outside of Lazarus's tomb, and he's surrounded by Lazarus' family and friends, and the villagers are there, and everyone is weeping. Everyone is mourning. And Jesus, as he stood there, he sees the pain in their hearts. He, he feels this, this, this almost anger, I feel like, at what sin has done to this world, this sin and death, this, what his father had never planned for this world. And it famously says that in that moment, Jesus wept. And when the people looked at Jesus crying, they said, see how much Jesus loved him? And then Jesus brought Lazarus back to life. It's an incredible story. Jesus is the embodiment of kindness time and time again, all throughout scripture. It says that he was moved with compassion. So if you want to know what kindness is, just look at Jesus Christ. And if you want to look more like Jesus, you need to be more kind. And it doesn't matter how many Bible verses you have memorized. It doesn't matter how many Sundays you make it to church. If you're not kind, you're just not like Jesus. So kindness means being supportive. Kindness means being sympathetic. Kindness also means being straightforward. Kindness means having tough conversations sometimes. Sometimes it means laying it on the line for someone, telling them the truth, shooting them straight, if you will. Sometimes the kindest thing you can do is to be straightforward with a friend and just tell them, hey, listen, what you're doing is unwise. I love the way that Solomon says this. You're going to love this. Proverbs 27. The slap of a friend can be trusted to help you. The kisses of an enemy are nothing but lies. It's like, Dish, get a hold of yourself, right? This is why you got to read the Bible. These gems are in here, okay? A true friend will not be afraid to tell you, listen, you're blowing it, buddy. You are going to lose your job. You're going to wreck your marriage. I'm just telling you, if you make that call, you're going you're to ruin your health if you continue to do what you're doing. A true friend is not afraid to speak the truth to you. Married men in the room. Let me talk to you for a second. Ladies, you can just kind of hang back for something. Single guys, too. Listen to this. Listen. If your wife, okay, ever walks into the room wearing a dress that she has just ordered online, and she asks you, does this dress look good on me? You have a very important decision to make in your life. Okay? Now. My wife knows that if she asks me this, I will be straightforward, right? Because I'm a godly man, okay? <laughs> now, there are, <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> there are many times, often, that I will say, wow, that's a, that's a gorgeous dress. Perfect fit, hangs nice, really look, makes you look great. That's a winner. Do so they have other colors? You should buy more. You know, you find something that's good, you buy in every color. You should buy more. There was this one time, however, it wasn't, you know, it was like maybe four weeks ago, actually, that she ordered this dress. Now, here's the thing with this, with this dress. This, this style of dress is becoming more popular. No one is wearing it here today. I watched all the girls come. No one's got this dress on today. But the best way that I could describe this style of dress is fundamentalist Mormon meets prairie settler. Okay, just <laughs> FLDS meets Oregon Trail. Okay, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so she walks out wearing this outfit. And she's like, okay, does this dress look good on me? And I said to her, all right, I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? That's the worst dress I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know what she said to me? Yeah, you're right, this is not good. Okay, I passed the test this time. But be careful, boys, I'm just saying. Now, All jokes aside, there might be someone in your life who is headed in the wrong direction, relationally, or professionally, or financially, and and you've been watching this happen for not just days, but like weeks and months, and you have been worrying about them, and you've even been praying about them, but see, here's the thing, you never said something to them, and maybe because you say to yourself, well, you know what? Honestly, it's really, it's really none of my business, I guess. Or you know what? If they want to do this, listen, it's their life. They can, you know, they can do what they want. They're an adult. Or who am I to judge? Right? That old chestnut. Who am I to judge? And then we say nothing. I can't say for certain. I said I cannot say for certain. But if you've been feeling this in your heart for a long time and it won't go away, If this has been on your mind for a long time, and and, and it will not go away, there's a pretty good chance that's the Holy Spirit trying to convict you. And so I'm just saying, maybe, just maybe, it's time to invite that person to coffee and say, hey, listen, we need to talk, which are, by the way, the four worst words in the English language. Nothing good happens after this. Now I get it, okay? We don't want to overstep our boundaries. I understand. And I know that whatever conversation takes place after these four words is going to be difficult and it's probably going to be awkward. However, when you choose to be straightforward with someone in love, and that's the key, you've got to do it in love, God can use your words to save that person. God can use your words to change the trajectory and the direction of your friend's life. Solomon in Proverbs says the right word at the right time is like precious gold set in silver. It means it's priceless. So kindness means being supportive. It means being sympathetic. It means being straightforward. And lastly, kindness means being spontaneous. Now, this is not really the right word here, but I want another S word because I was on a roll, Okay. (laughs) What I mean is don't wait to show kindness, okay? Do it when the opportunity presents itself. Do it now. Be spontaneous. Work with me here. Okay, so Paul says this. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Notice he says, whenever we have the opportunity. So when should we do good? When should we be kind? Whenever we have the opportunity. Has there ever been a time in your life when someone did something nice for you or they bought you something and you think to yourself, you know what, I got I to write them a note. I just got to gotta write them, send them a thank you card, just let them know that I appreciate what they did for me. And then you kind of delayed writing the card and then work got in the way and you delayed it a little bit more until finally it, you're so embarrassed because it's been so long that you just didn't write the note at all. Okay. It happens. We, we've, we've all been there. Unfortunately, when it comes to kindness, good intentions don't count. Th- the opportunity to be kind may not last until you get around to it, which is precisely why Scripture says that you need to, when you get the opportunity to be kind, you got to seize it, you got to do it, and you got to act on it. When you get the slightest inclination to call your mother, pick up the phone. When, when you find yourself saying, you know what, I have to write that thank you card, pick up the pen, or just text them if you have to, or send an email. Here's a great one for the Christians in the room, okay? When someone shares with you a prayer request, and they say, hey, listen, would you keep my mom in your prayers this week? She's, you know, she's got a surgery coming up. Just keep her in your prayers. Or if they say, hey, would you keep me in your prayers? I got, you know, I got a lot going on at, at work. Just, just keep me in your prayers. How many times has someone said that to you, and you say, yep, sure, and then you walk away, and you never pray. Do what I do. Right? I would challenge you to say, you know what? Let's pray right now. You got, you got a minute or so? Can we d- Let's just pray. right? That person will be shocked. <laughs> I'm just, they'll be shocked. I'm just telling you, though, you are seizing the opportunity to be used by God to be kind to this person. One of the classic examples of spontaneous kindness, right? Just acting on an opportunity to be kind is inside of one of Jesus's most famous parables ever, the Good Samaritan. Jesus was telling a story, a fictional story. Jesus told a story about how a Jewish man was beaten by robbers and basically left for dead. And all of a sudden this Jewish priest comes walking by and, and sees his fellow Jew on the ground and walks right past him. Then a Jewish religious leader comes by and sees a fellow Jew beaten bloodied on the ground, crosses the road. Finally, Jesus says, a Samaritan shows up. And what you might not know is that Jewish people hated Samaritans, and Samaritans hated Jews. Jewish people considered Samaritans to be an inferior race. Jesus said, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. There was no delay. There was no hemming and Han. There was no excuses. He saw an opportunity to be good, and he responded immediately. Jesus tells us that this man uh, applied bandages to the guy's wounds, poured oil and wine on the cuts to clean them. He then picked this poor guy up, put him on his donkey, brought it to a nearby inn, and paid for his room so he could convalesce from his injuries. The next morning when they all woke up, the Samaritan goes to the innkeeper, hey, listen, I got to go, but would you look after him? And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Kindness costs. But when that Samaritan saw the need, he didn't think twice. He dropped everything without hesitation. Now, I believe Jesus told us this story to remind us that there are people all around us who are hurting. They're hurting in their marriages. They're hurting at work. They're hurting physically or financially, emotionally or spiritually. All around us, God is giving us the opportunity to be kind. And what I see in the actions of that Jewish priest and what I see in the actions of that Jewish leader is that the number one enemy of kindness is busyness. How often have we found ourselves saying, you know what, I'm just too busy. I I just, I just, I don't have the time to get involved. You know, it might, it might mess up my schedule. I'm just too busy to help my neighbor. I'm just too busy to take my kids to the park. When you read the Gospels and when you look at Jesus's earthly ministry, you could say it was defined by interruptions. People were constantly interrupting Jesus, stopping him from what he was doing in order to get his attention. And he never once ignored them. He saw it all as an opportunity to be kind. So we're to take his lead. and We're to make the most of every opportunity. So what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So it's one thing to hear a message about becoming a kinder person. It's one thing to read scripture about becoming a kinder person, but it's an entirely different thing to consider how specifically you are gonna do it. So I would love for you to really spend time today answering the question, in what specific way can I be kinder tomorrow? Not for the rest of your life, that's way too much to ask. I am just talking about Monday. And here's what I know about your Monday. Your Monday is filled with people who need your kindness. So start at home. How can you be more kind at home? If you're married, what what is one way that you can be kinder to your spouse? If you have children, how can you be kinder to your children? Start with common courtesy. Sometimes we are rudest to those who are closest to us. Maybe it's that coworker. Maybe it's that crabby boss, right? You don't have to like them. You can be kind to them. Now, if you're feeling up to it, I challenge you to make a list of people to whom you can be kind. I guarantee you've already got names and faces in your your mind. Write them down. Put it on a piece of paper. Put it in your phone. And then, buckle up, ask God to give you the opportunity to show kindness to those folks. And I will guarantee you, he'll answer this request. Your responsibility is to seize that opportunity when it presents itself. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that we have the opportunity to come here today and listen to your word. God, you have put people on our paths, whether it's in our home, in our jobs, in school, who are dying for a kind word, a word of encouragement. God, I pray that you would give us the strength today to build up those people that are in our lives, to speak to them in such a way that when they leave, they are better off having been in our presence. God, this is not something we can do alone. This is only a fruit of the Spirit. So I pray, Lord, that you would supernaturally touch every single person in this room. Enable us to be the kind of person that longs to be kind to others. And I pray, Lord, that we will glorify you in the process. We ask all this in Jesus' name.